Blog Talk Radio. Slow down, touch your life. Don't you know there's friends to be found? Lift your eyes and see the world. Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. I'm your host, Lawrence Knorr, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press. Sunbury Press publishes print and electronic books under 10 different imprints in a variety of categories sold worldwide wherever books are sold. This episode is another in a series concerning our new book, a compilation about the coronavirus impacts entitled After the Pandemic, Visions of Life Post-COVID-19. The topic of our show today concerns COVID-19, Seeking Meaning, Understanding, Impact, and we have two wonderful guests today. Uh, the first is Tori Gates. He's a writer of young adult crossover fiction that takes readers back in time to exotic locales and deals in social and human issues. His third book for Brown Posey Press, Searching for Roy Buchanan, is the first of a YA time travel series. The sequel, Call It Love, is set for release in 2020. A broadcaster with more than 30 years behind the microphone, Tori hosts the Brown Posey Press Show, a program for authors on this BookSpeak network. He also presents programs on music and public affairs for radio stations across central PA and online. He lives in Harrisburg. Welcome, Tori. Thank you, Lawrence. Uh, so Tori's essay in the book is about embracing change. We also have Penny Fletcher. Penny is a long metaphysics and has watched science and spirituality come together, searching for the creative spark called life. An author, editor, and coach, she works online with authors all over the globe and believes every soul is created, loved, and aided by angels of God. Penny's essay in the book is about materialism and spirituality. Welcome, Penny. Well, good morning. Glad to be here. Well, we have two, uh, two very interesting guests here that have written about change in this coronavirus and well i guess some things are probably going to change <laughs> actually things are changing left and right and probably faster than uh, than we might want them to and i've said and people have asked me you know what what do you think is going to change and i said well generally speaking anything that was in the process of changing slowly is being accelerated and uh, businesses that were on the brink you know will be fading from the scene and so on and I took more of an economic and business point of view to this. And I know you two uh, have been thinking more about the personal and in some cases about the spiritual. So let's kind of dive into that. And Why don't we start with uh, where each of you are and what it's like where you're at. Uh, Tori, I know you're not too far away in Harrisburg, but maybe kind of recap your situation for us. Right. Well, yes, I'm right across the river, right in the city of Harrisburg, in fact. And um, I've lived here for about four years. And uh, being in broadcasting, I'm deemed an essential worker, so I do have to be out and about. Um, I did have the situation of being furloughed from one of my jobs, and that was mostly just, uh, again, a safety issue and a health issue to sort of minimize risk. And so I've had weekends off for the first time in a very long time in my career, uh, which is really something I've rather welcomed. And it's, uh, other than that, it's not much different for me in terms of traveling, but I have been 
sort of watching the last couple of months what uh, what it's been like. Um, I also work uh, one of the areas I work is in the Lebanon Valley, so I travel I eighty one fairly often, and of course we see the truck traffic, but. I saw just trucks still, you know, commerce still moving on, trucks still working. Not as much vehicle traffic. And in certain areas, when you travel into the more rural areas and also in the city, it's a lot quieter. Um, It's not quite the end of the world scenario that too many people try to write or try to depict. But you can feel a quiet and you can feel a sort of, I don't. I wouldn't say people were afraid so much as people were doing what they were supposed to do. They're they're, you know, staying inside. They're staying off the streets. Although it's changing a little bit in recent weeks, but it gave me a chance to just really sort of listen a little bit more. And it's like it's, there's that old saying, "Listen to the silence," and uh, there is some of that. So, so it, it it lent into what I wrote for the book of things changing. So, I think. Right now, pretty quiet. Um, I am. We. I'm seeing the life start to come back again. There's a little bit of optimism, and the question, of course, remains: What happens in the next few weeks as more of the state opens up, more of other areas open up? Do we get another spike in cases? Uh, do people remain vigilant? And I think it's just a matter of time to to see what happens there. Yeah, I agree. Penny, where are you calling in from? What's I it like there? Um, I'm actually in Riverview. Nobody's ever heard of that, but I'm on the bay side of, of Tampa Bay. And um, I haven't, I, I worked for the newspaper and reported for about 35 years, and I have not done that. I've been working online since 2016 when I had a wreck and broke 23 bones and a lot of other things. So I already had an online editing business. And I, I've been online. It really hasn't changed my business except for the fact that um, people have been finishing their books. So, I mean, I'm slammed. So, I guess I'm very fortunate. Um, my 22-year-old granddaughter is an essential worker, and she lives with me delivering food. And she said that the restaurant where she works is Beef O'Brady's Chain, opened to 50% here on Monday. And people are starting to come in. They flooded in at 25% a week ago, but 50%, and they've got, you know, half the tables are marked off. But we've started opening the area to 50%. Uh, I hear that the parks and the pools are going to open next Monday here in Florida. I'm not really sure. I haven't had much of a change of my lifestyle because of working online, but um, we go out, we go to the to go to where we have to go. We go to the grocery store, keep six feet. Um, traffic has slowed down a little bit in that um, a lot of tourists haven't come, and uh, they but 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 a lot of them still have. And so I see a lot of masks. I see a lot of people with no masks. It's, uh, you know what Florida is. I mean, it's a com- combination of everybody in all the other 49 states. So um, we're starting to open up. Uh, some businesses are open that I really don't understand why, and some are closed that I don't really see why. Um 
things like, you know, you're able to get a haircut and, and your nails done, but you can't get a tissue massage. It's, it's, it's a little confusing. I, I, I try to follow it and see, but I stay in most of the time. I, I'm not afraid to go to the store, but that's about all I do is grocery shop. And then I come home and, and I don't, we do church online and things like that online. We do Zoom. So it just hasn't affected me, but I still see the traffic out there when I go. It's Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm across well, we the seeing... uh, I'm across the river from Torrey in rural Cumberland County near a little village of Boiling Springs, and out here on the Christian Baker Farm, you could not tell that there's a pandemic until you get in your car or truck, drive a few miles to the grocery store, and then in the beginning there are lots of stockouts and you know hard to get things. Uh, more recently, I think the, st- the stores are stocked full. Or near full, half full. But, yeah, you see the masks. You see the new uh, regimen that, that the businesses are going through. And not all the businesses are open here. I know Torrey, Dolphin County might be a little different than Cumberland. Cumberland's starting to open in yellow, what's yes. called yellow phase in Pennsylvania. But I think Dolphin's still red. So you're still locked down over there, right? For the most part. Uh, it is interesting that uh, we were talking about what is essential and what is not, and it's uh, some of the same situation. Uh, yes, we're still in the red phase. There's a push to get certain things open, but uh, I think we're going to stay red for the time being, probably due to the population, uh, close proximity of people and that sort of thing. And as Penny was saying, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm doing much the same thing. I, I'm going to the grocery store when I need to, and I generally only go once a week anyway, so there's really no need for anything more. But, um, you know, in terms of stock, you're starting to see some stocks come back. Certain items just aren't there, and but they're getting a little bit better at getting them back. And the mask thing is really interesting where you are. Um, I mean, I certainly wear one when I'm out, and I have to wear one. I have to wear them at both of my jobs. We we must wear them indoors. Um, we do, like, when we're talking on the mic, we do take them down, of course. We have to do that. But everything else, um, we're pretty much being vigilant, trying to stay apart from one another and just sort of doing the social distance thing. And uh, certain areas, it's interesting. In the city, when I when I drive through, I see... I see about 50% masked, and I see about 50% not. And... I mean, I certainly don't bother people about that. There's no need to. But at the same time, I find it really interesting that some people don't seem quite as worried or maybe just not as afraid. And it's it's a matter, I think, of each person's decision, and it's each person's own matter of health. I have health issues that I have to think about. So uh, it, it, it's sort of hit or miss, really. So, Penny, what are you most hopeful about with this as we move forward? Um, There's some silver lining? I... Pardon? Yeah, actually, I I do. I see a lot of things being brought to the forefront that should have been brought to the forefront, but people were running so fast that they couldn't see them. It, it's hard to explain, except that here in Florida, a lot of the homeless, a lot of the extremely poor make their way here to the Gulf Coast because the East Coast is so well monitored. And they they live in camps. Now, as a reporter, I would go from a multi-million dollar house to a homeless camp and sit on tires and drink coffee from a corn can. I mean, all on the same day. 
And I know that there's these groups of homeless living behind restaurants and places where they know that the food is going to be thrown out. We have several huge organizations in Tampa. The food lines, the lines for boxes of food are huge. People are starting to see people that they didn't see before. They didn't notice before. They walked by before. A lot more people are realizing that these people uh, were in bad shape to start with, especially health-wise, and that, yes, their health affects the health of those with health insurance who have kept up their doctor's appointments and their tests. And people are looking. I see more people donating. We have something called Metropolitan Ministries, and they were feeding Oh, it's 200,000 people. I don't know. I don't have the figures right in front of me. It was it was just a huge amount with lines maybe four to six hours long. People are seeing that there is something wrong. And I am hoping, actually, um, when, I, when I speak of spirituality, I am not speaking of religion. Often religion divides, and I believe that no matter what religion you are, you have a connection. I mean, like we don't run, the only one that I think is wrong is the one running around the mountain saying you're on the wrong path. And I see, I see a lot of people that are seeing that there are needs and that we are running at an unsustainable materialistic pace. And society has had the people that were running now are staying home. Now, People, I mean, there's just two entirely different, um, and it's not just in Florida. I know it's all over the world, but it's so accentuated here because of the warm weather. People don't have to worry about finding a heat grate to lie down on and keep warm in the winter. So we're just inundated by people who are without. And the people that, that have to keep running and running and running and running are now at home, and they're seeing more. And they're understanding more, and I pray that they are seeing enough to know that there are others around that need help and that we need to make some major changes, not go back to normal, but have a new normal when the pandemic's over. Well, if I can back on what Penny said, um, we've noticed that here, too. I think Lawrence will know who I'm talking about, uh, the Central Pennsylvania Food Bank. We recently had some news out of them that they were really, they were certainly very happy to be getting uh, additional donations of food, money, and that sort of thing. They're feeding an awful lot more people, and there's a number of food banks of various sizes around here. They're seeing the same thing, and they're seeing exactly the same of people are showing up that they'd never seen before, and um, this is not just one place, but it's a number of other areas where people are realizing that they thought that they had a stable job and a stable life and that kind of thing and all of a sudden they're having trouble they use they use a term here called food insecurity which i think is george carlin would call it soft language uh i think i think it's more hunger and it's more the fear of where is my next meal going to come from or will there be one and i'm thankful to see that i think more people are seeing it i think people are are getting a little more aware of the system and its failures, and 
there's another thing is when you're when you are home, when you are not capable of going out to the places that you want to go to all the time, you can sort of escape from your home and escape the things that you see around you and go sort of amuse yourself or that that sort of thing or or go eat or do something and now they're starting to look around and my hope is as well that enough people think hey we've got a problem here and maybe it's time I do something maybe it's time I do an- take another step and do something a little bit different and I am hopeful that that takes as a routine or takes as a habit kind of the way we've had to change our habits yeah Writing down some notes as you both were talking and this guy my whole career and I think about things in systems terms and I think about our current system because of technology and medicine and antibiotics. Uh, we over the last you know human lifetime about seventy years or so, we've taken lifespan from forty eight to over eighty. But yet this is a very short period of time. It's been a very selfish era as well as these wondrous things have happened, but it's such a brief time in human history. And when you think some theory to it, and you all know that new systems are buggy and don't always work very well. So I think we're still in an early phase of this new system. And clearly the bugs are coming through left and right in many different ways. And you think about, well, what was the system before this? And you're kind of alluding to it and that we're rediscovering it. And it was based on family, faith, and community. For hundreds of years, those were the pillars. Uh, think about the time before we had antibiotics, before we had uh, all these inventions and technologies that let us communicate and get information. And, you know, you go back to a very much simpler life and one that was much shorter and more precarious. And we behaved differently back then. And I think now that we're kind of being threatened by that again, you're starting to see this awakening of some of these older ways of ways we used to be. And it's an awareness of community, awareness of your neighbor. At least I hope that's what it is. So you certainly see uh, on the news where there's incidents of outreach and incidents of, of gratitude and graciousness and so on. As if that's a novel thing, like it, it's newsworthy. <laughs> you would mm-hmm. hope that it yeah. is so it's, common it's, that, it, you know, yeah. I don't know. Do I have that way again? To say? Yeah. I uh, went to Germany. I, I'm going to be 75 this year. Now, I went to Germany with my first husband in the mid-60s when we were rebuilding, and half of the half of the landscape was rubble and half was brand new. And the Germans then used to carry around their little cloth bags. And, of course, most of the Americans would laugh at them and call them their little schnitzel bags. And they, they would carry their lunch, and then they would buy their food on the way home, and it would be fresh from the de- for the day. Now, 40-some years later, I think of them very often as I go into the store with my cloth bags and, and, and reusable bags and I, I don't go for the plastic you know the, the big thing in the 50s was oh Tupperware okay um, the people that had been bombed out were very um, astute in being able to find ways to use every single thing at their disposal and I think we may 
with our unsustainable throwaway society the way it is, everybody running and running, and, and they have to to keep up. And as you said, um, Lawrence, about the community, I think that people are starting to see that. I, I noted some examples in, in my chapter of um, wonderful there was a man, a, a priest in Italy that donated his ventilator to a child, and of course the priest died, but, and, and a person up in Maine somewhere had a 200 building, uh, apartment building, and he let the April rent go for all of them. Now, I mean, he could afford to do that, all landlords can't, but mm-hmm. the community, I think, could be, Looking, people looking more to the community type thing, um, the, the way we used to live. And I, at my age, still remember living. I, I bought a farm in Tennessee where my son is now. It was 23 acres with a very intent 10 years ago of putting four of my six children in mobile homes around the main house. It didn't work out because of my accident and I lost it. But we, that was, that was in my mind long before the accident. And I think that people are starting to grow food at home. I see a lot online about how to do your own hydroponics. And I I think that might lead people out of the huge city environments slowly into a more communal um, type of living. Well, Penny, I've seen some of that right here in Harrisburg. It's it's, it's interesting that the way you brought that up because um, now I've I'm from New England originally, but I've lived in Pennsylvania for 20 years. I lived in York County for most of my time here, but when I moved up here, I bought this house in Harrisburg and moved here. Um, I live in the city, and I've got this neat little sort of fenced-in backyard, which is really cool. And right next door to me, they're not there anymore, but uh, there was a there was a couple of young ladies who lived there, and they had turned this tiny little space into a back garden, and I mean it was huge. I mean they had just they just took the walls and walled them up, and put these deep um, areas for soil, and they were growing vegetables and flowers and different things, and it was so impressive. And I was reminded of. Um, I was reminded of my family. I was reminded of growing up because, I mean, we grew up on a farm, but uh, my mother also and grandmother also did our, our own little garden because they loved to do it, and they did flowers, and they loved they, they just enjoyed it. And you see little things like that in the city. We've seen it for many years, and uh, even in the large cities, you see community gardens. Uh, you see them in Philadelphia in particular. We've been hearing a lot about them lately, and um, I think people are going to notice it a little bit more. I, I think... Uh, residents, they're going to see this, and yeah, they're. Um, I think I think it's going to open them up to something. And now that they've had time on their hands, they're thinking, well, maybe I should do something like that, or how do I do that? And I did an interview just recently with someone at the Penn State Extension Service, and he said they got inundated with requests to take online courses in horticulture and in gardening and in different different things and most of them i think are free and they were just amazed that they got requests in the thousands for the classes and i thought wow that's there's a step forward right there i think that that we're talking about um, i'm You're almost laughing hmm? i was going to say I'm, I'm laughing here because 
here I am on this little farm in quotes. I'll put it in quotes because it's an old farmhouse and an old barn and some acres. We've got a couple horses. But just this spring with all this going on, I uh, built a terrace out of some of the loose stone that was around here. And uh, we're gardening. We made a, a, a vegetable garden there. And also we're getting chickens. Again, we've had chickens twice before, but we've gone for a few years without them. But the amazing thing about this is to get the plants for the garden was next to impossible. I had to call my landscaper who had a connection. And then when it came to the chickens, we can't get our chickens until August, where you used to be able to order them and get them in a couple of weeks. And they'd show up, you know, through the postal service in a box, which is kind of weird to get living things in the mail. But that's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) The point being, you know, here we are, you know, doing it ourselves and it's, it's a little bit of food security, but it's also about just, uh, you know, I, I think it's just smart um, and it's fun. You, you just feel better about taking care of yourself a little more. I, I think back to my great-grandparents. I remember my great-grandmother's kitchen. You know, they lived through the Great Depression and uh, the, the 20s and World War, World War I, World War II. And so they always had a pantry. They cooked almost every meal at home, rarely went out to eat. And there was a lot of food security. I mean, you had, you had several weeks, maybe a month's worth of food going through that house at any one time. And you had to, because things were so seasonal. They used to can, you know, preserve mm-hmm. things and use local markets because there weren't the big distribution chains uh, that are out there now. So uh, you see a little bit of that coming back. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that or not. Well, I canned all through the 60s and 70s. I worked a full-time job, and my kids would have to come home and can snap peas and and, and, and pull the strings out of green beans and while they were watching television. I don't can anymore, but my backyard is full of flowers and plants and things like watermelon vines. If my homeowners association ever saw behind my fence, they would probably give me a fine, but as long as I keep the front clear, it's all right. But um, what you were saying about the online classes hit me because we're getting, my friends and I that are in the metaphysical society are getting a lot of people requesting meditation classes, CDs for chakra uh, realigning, um, different things about yoga, questions about um, all different kinds of of meditations. And um, we're getting a lot of people questioning that. Of course, we're not meeting now. We we usually meet and we have a speaker every week that goes through things like gong meditations, frequency meditations, uh, vibrational healing. Um, we're not meeting now. We're meeting online. So the new people are coming online and asking about things and can we have these speakers in, you know, in the future. And I think that's another thing on the spiritual level that people need to find more of themselves. And I think there are a lot of people that are looking inside that didn't before, if Mm -hmm. I am explaining that properly. I think you are. Yes, Penny. And it's, uh, we've the things that we've been talking about. The garden is is a great example of that, of our reconnection to the earth, and it is our um, sort of our connect realization of connection. Uh, we are not an autonomous thing. We are we are a part of the earth. We are a part of this universe, and 
uh, it's also just a recollection that we have to have a certain amount of respect for our fellow creatures, and that's all of them. And uh, these are the kind of things that bring people back to it, and they're just sort of reminded. And as I say, I think I think uh, the, the folks that you uh, work with, um, it's the same thing. We are reconnecting or we're sort of maybe repairing those connections, I think. Tori, the universal me... all, yeah, yeah, all of us being part of the same thing. We got about 15 minutes, so we've already done two-thirds of the show, which is it's quite amazing how quick this is going. So I wanted to jump into the biggest impact. So if we could spend a few minutes each on that, Tori, what do you think are some of the biggest changes that are likely to stick into the future? Well, it's a very good question because we have, uh, we've proven ourselves to sort of cling to a past. And I did write about this a little bit. There's a lot of discussion, and we, we brought this up, but it wasn't in the context of the immediacy. Um, I've noticed it here in Pennsylvania more than in any other place I've ever lived in my life. We have a lot of sort of this living in the past mentality, and there's this pining for the way things used to be, but unfortunately it's not from the positive elements of it. There are so many elements of where people want things to be a way that they see it and they and they they don't like to see other things they don't like to see different people they don't like to see different ways of life they want it their way and it's very interesting if you go to certain public places um you can hear some really interesting comments if you just sort of bend your ear not necessarily eavesdrop but when someone's loud enough that uh, the furniture can hear you you're going to hear everything <laughs> and uh yeah <laughs> it's kind of it's it's a little it was a little disconcerting to me at times that we have a lot of people who really just they just kind of got lost and you talk about Penny the running constantly running catching up keeping up why do this for me it's just kind of like why why are we doing that and what is going to happen I think really for the impact is something has to change. And I think most of us as human beings are terrified of change. We're terrified of it. I think that once people realize fairly quickly that you don't have to change too terribly much of your life or your lifestyle, but you can still make a difference and make this world a little better, I think it's going to have to do with how we care for ourselves. I think self-care is going to be uh, much more ramped up. I think those habits are going to remain. I think we're going to try to be a little, you know, take care of our bodies a little bit better, hopefully. Maybe we're going to uh, indulge less in the things that maybe are harmful to us. I'm not going to point any fingers, but um, maybe we're going to look to ourselves, look to our homes, and look to our people a little bit more about, you know, from the cleanliness aspect, from keeping our mind a little bit more clear and thinking into what we do a little bit more. Uh, maybe our need to purchase things is going to back off a little bit. Maybe we're going to look at, well, you know, do you need a new vehicle? You look at Look at the money that we've kind of lost from not being able to work. Uh, instead of complaining about it, let's look at our own vehicle that we've got and say, you know what, we can make this thing go another year or two. This is okay. Uh, maybe we look at, think about looking at our homes a little bit more uh, mindfully. I think 
I think a lot of it's going to be lifestyle change. I think that there could be some really significant lifestyle changes from the health standpoint more than anything. I think physical health, yes, maybe even spiritual health. And I, I speak also, Penny, from a spiritual standpoint, not a religious one. Um, I think I think we're going to see changes in ourselves, and not right away, but I think eventually we're all sort of going to wake up and see, look what this did for us. We've learned something. Now can we put it in practice? How about you, Penny? What do you see as uh, the biggest impacts that are likely to stick around? I feel that uh, he was definitely right on a lot of that. Um, I think a lot of the running, though, is going to take – it's going to hurt because a lot of people, when I say running – I'm not really talking about someone that has, and I mean, some people probably have 200 pairs of shoes, but just as an example, I'm not really talking about someone that has four pair of shoes and five dresses, but do we really need that sixth dress? Do we really need the second? I'm talking about people that are, that are running because if they don't get up when they're sick, if they can't keep their business open, then their light bill will go off, their mortgage will be cut off. Mm-hmm. I don't really not know what's going to happen to that population, which is huge here. And a lot of my family, my kids and my grandkids, are in that population. Um, we've seen uh, an unsustainable lifestyle, and I call it a throwaway lifestyle where we don't reuse. I think that people, like I was referring to the Germans back after the war, I think that people are learning to reuse and recycle, but it's going to be so important that we do that. Look how the air has cleaned up over horrible places like China and and California since a little bit less driving. Exactly. So people need to understand where, who can, who has to keep running and who doesn't. And the ones that have to possibly can shift one little piece of that lifestyle at a time until they can get to a point where they can sustain um, a more moderate lifestyle. I know the tiny homes are a big thing here in Florida now, but it costs money to get into them. Um, I'm hoping that people do change their lifestyle enough to slow down. There, there are a lot of people now that here that are needing to open their businesses and can't. And that, that's what I don't understand how that's going to be fixed. In, in the long run, unless there's changes basically made. And the other thing would be to health care, where people say, I have health care, I'm okay, but you lose your job, your health care is gone, you're not okay, and then your disease affects those people that have health care. So maybe everyone should be interested in who has health care, which I personally think should be everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, everything you're talking about, and as I'm listening to it, as an economist, I think that impacts the economy. That impacts the economy. That impacts the economy. It's like slow down, don't buy it, don't spend the money. Our whole culture, our whole economy, is built on growth. 
and more people buying more and having more. And, you know, we are, you're, you're talking about a, a, a complete, you know, turner, turnabout from that. And so when you have a whole system that's built on growth, and now you can't grow. In fact, now you can't even go outside. Uh, that's pretty profound. I think, though, that people have short-term memories. Uh, they don't. They don't uh, change easily. And that this will be a period of time where, yeah, we changed some things because we had to, but we will fall back into bad habits in the not too distant future. But I will say this. Some of the things that we did learn is that if you live in a densely populated area, you're more vulnerable. We also know right. that brick and mortar brick and mortar retail that was dying out anyway is probably going away. So more online ordering, but people right. people moving out of the city into the country more, maybe wanting to have a little more space, a little more land, and not be so on top of one another. That's a possibility. So those are both real estate impacts too. Commercial real estate not doing so well if people don't need offices and people don't need retail space. And then maybe well, yeah. you know, maybe farms and residential space, people will be desiring more of that. So that's just one thought that I have as uh, you think about the the rationale between people with people's decisions and, and what they might choose to do. So we have a few minutes left. Uh, Tori, if you could leave us with some philosophical thoughts, maybe to inspire us a little bit. Or I hate to put you on the spot, <laughs> but maybe there's well, something there. Well, I, I have to admit that uh, my piece was written that was a very off-the-cuff piece, but it was something that I was thinking about probably for a couple of years, until, and then this hit. And it was something that had been in and out of my mind as I was writing different things and, and working and broadcasting and, and going on with some of the things that I talked about uh, during this program. And that just came out of me finally. It was me... I like to say, I, somebody asked me about the piece, and I said, that was me channeling my inner Charles Bukowski. Hmm. And I uh, just sort of looked at it as a slightly cynical thing, but at the same time I thought, what have I seen? Well, I think, Lawrence, you're right. We do have short-term memories. We're humans. And we want to go back to the way things were, but I'm afraid that our immediate rush back to the way we were is, is going to just hurt us a little bit. And I am very concerned for the next wave of COVID cases and how they may come about. But if there's anything that I have learned is that habit forming can be positive as well as negative. And in recovery, you often hear about uh, folks who substituted positive habits for their negative ones, and it does happen. There's, there's, there's scientific studies on this. I think some of the good things that people have had to do, in a way had to be forced to do it, I think they're going to keep them up because even if it's just small things with regards to their homes or their work or, as Penny was saying, maybe less travel, maybe find a new way to work. I think working from home, if I could do that, I wouldn't leave my house. I would love it. <laughs> but um, I think those little things are going to have to change. I think employers are going to have to do that. So I think we're going to see changes in how we work. I think we're going to see changes in how we travel. There may be some changes in the business world, the real estate world, but we adapt 
very well. It may take a few years, but I think we have the ability to adapt, and the world, the world's changes are going to be subtle. But I think five years down the road, we're going to see some some definite change. And my hope is that it is enough, and that it's going to be good enough. Yeah, here, here, Penny. We're going to give you the last word here. Something philosophical. Well, I feel that. We are, we're facing a big change anyway with all the technolo- technological jobs that were coming in. A lot of small, a lot of big factories and things are were going to be closed anyway. I mean, things that people didn't see coming, unless you sit and think about it. There are a lot of things that technology will, will jobs that it will that it will take. And so people will have to readjust anyway. I think they were just pushed into it a little bit faster this way. Now, maybe it wasn't the same crowd, the business owners or whatever, but there will be a whole lot of new jobs created in the next, let's say, 10 years to fall in line with the scientific world that has, that has gained so, so quickly in uh, technology. So I think that people will have to find a way to adapt. And I think that they'll I think that they'll be able to do that because basically people have a survival instinct and will hopefully look at it a little bit more spiritually toward their their brother. I mean, even if you chop down a tree as an example, the trees nearby, scientists have proven feel it through the roots. Mm-hmm. Everything on this earth is connected. And if one person is hurting, the whole society is actually not right. So we were looking at changes anyway. We're forced to make them now. A lot of people are considering how they're going to make those changes, like the gardening and the different methods of, of meditation or whatever. And I think that a lot of people are actually trying that now for the first time, and it might be the start of you have a disorder, and then you have a real mess before you have a cleanup and a new order. And mm-hmm. I'm praying that we have a better lifestyle when we come out. It's going to take some time, but we needed change, and maybe this was the universe forcing us to do it. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking to Tori Gates and Penny Fletcher. Thank you both for coming. Well, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, thank you, Bob. All right. This has been the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Be sure to check out our books at www.sunburypress.com or search for our titles on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers worldwide. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are hundreds more available on the BookSpeak Network. You can find our channel on blogtalkradio.com. Thank you for listening. Um.